What a great day. We are uh, celebrating the goodness of God entering into a new season. Some of us got to go out to the uh, Robert Williams Nature Center yesterday and have a day of prayer. And uh, one of the things we thought about was the change of the seasons and how God has something new for us and fresh for us in the season ahead. Amen? You ready? You ready? God has something good for you. And uh, I'm particularly thankful today for my wife. It's her birthday today, along with several others. And like Paige's birthday and Jerry Thompson's birthday. So happy birthday to all the birthdays, okay? And um, thank you, Nancy. I love you. Bless you. Um, Ephesians is an amazing book. We talked about the first two verses on our first Sunday because there are two words there that the Apostle Paul blesses us with and asks us to experience. And does anybody remember the two key words that begin the book? They are grace and peace. <laughs> well, four of you remember. All right. Let's, uh, everybody else, the words are grace and peace. Would you say them with me? They are grace, grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. When you experience God's grace, we talked about God's riches at Christ's expense, right? The acrostic, G-R-A-C-E. When you experience grace, forgiveness you don't deserve, then through the grace of God, changing your heart, forgiving your sins, you experience peace. So the grace of God brings peace in our lives. Could anybody use a little more peace? A little more grace? A little more change. You know, the Apostle Paul uh, writes this letter after about 25 years of spiritual formation. Uh, in our small group this past Wednesday night, we did the backstory to the letter to the Ephesians from Acts chapter 19. When he goes to the city of Ephesus and he stays for two years. How about Paul being our pastor for two years? How cool would that be? I mean, I'm, I hope you like me, but Paul would be really cool, wouldn't he? For two years, be your pastor? And just imagine the church at Ephesus. So they're strong and they're alive and they're vibrant. And now he has traveled on. It's been probably seven years since he was there. He's now in Rome. He's under house arrest. He's facing the possible end of his life. And he sits down and he writes back to the churches that he visited seven or eight years before. And he says, these are the things I need you to know. These are the things I want you to remember. Because here's what Paul knew. After seven or eight years of hearing the gospel and following the faith, sometimes the energy drains out. The, it gets a little bland. It gets a little same. The same old, same old. Anybody open a can of pop and leave it too long sitting out on the, on the counter? Then you come back later and you go to drink it. What's it taste like? Flat. Anybody here know Christ for more than five years? More than five years. Paul says, don't let your faith go flat. Okay? Don't let the fizz go from your faith. Don't let it become old and stale and boring and dull. It doesn't have to, right? It doesn't have to. Paul doesn't want it to. I don't want it to. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to you. So we're going to read the letter. We're going to read the letter he wrote to his friends to help them not to lose their effervescence for Jesus. 
And so, beginning the, the first section that we studied a couple of weeks ago, that one long Greek sentence that had all those amazing ideas in it, I was looking back at it the other day and summarized it this way. The first section of the letter to the Ephesians, Paul says, in Christ you are blessed beyond measure, adopted as God's child, forgiven of your sins, lavished with grace, given wisdom and understanding, informed of God's mysterious master plan, filled with hope, included in Christ, sealed by the Spirit, guaranteed an eternal inheritance, and made God's very own possession. Wow. I don't ever want to get over that. How about you? You are blessed beyond measure, adopted as his child, forgiven of your sins, lavished with grace, given wisdom and understanding, informed of God's mysterious master plan. And by the way, included in it. Filled with hope, included in Christ, sealed by the Spirit, guaranteed an eternal inheritance, and made God's very own possession. And he writes that to say, don't let it get old. Don't get used to that. Never get over that. Never get over Jesus. There's nobody like Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. There is nobody like Jesus. He's the one who forgives us. He's the one who gives us grace. He's the one who produces peace. He's the one who changes our lives. So he writes this letter back to his friends. Across the miles and across the years, seven or eight years later, never forget what God has done for you. If you're a spiritual seeker, if you're still kind of figuring out what it means to know and love God and follow Jesus, here's the possibility for you. Here's what God could do in you. And so then he picks it up with his next section, beginning of verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people... I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. Wow. How would you like to get that letter? Get that letter from Paul saying, you know, I am so thankful for you, and I don't stop praying for you. Um, today, the church that I grew up in, called Queensway Free Methodist Church in Niagara Falls, Ontario, is celebrating their 50th year in their current facility. Now, the scary thing is, I remember when they built it, okay? Now, 50 years ago, I was a teenager, and they were, uh, we used to have an older church in the downtown section of the city of Niagara Falls, Ontario, and we sold that church, and uh, for about two years, worshiped in the local uh, community hall. I remember that because it wasn't quite as churchy as the church, so I think the teens were allowed to run around a little more than usual. Seemed like a great time to me. You know, we, it, was a, it was a wonderful time in the church, and then we built our new building. And so they invited me to come and bring some greetings, and we weren't able to go because uh, of all the things going on here and celebrating the birthday, and we have representation of the Teal family here in the second row celebrating with us. And uh, so we wanted to be here today, but I wrote a letter back 
And I thank the Lord for all the people, many of them who have prayed for Nancy and me and our ministry for 50 years. How cool is that? I thank the Lord for those people who have encouraged us and blessed us, prayed for us. I thank the Lord for them. Now, I always think about the fact that it's one thing to feel it. It's another thing to say it. Did you ever hear the song that says, uh, uh, a bell's not a bell till you ring it, a song's not a song till you sing it, and love in your heart isn't put there to stay because love isn't love till you give it away. So Jesus, Luke chapter 17, comes upon a group of outcast men. They have no friends. No one will touch them. No one will talk to them. So they're kind of hanging out together in a little posse. And they come up to him and they say, Master, would you heal us? Because they have leprosy, the most dread skin disease of the Middle Eastern world at that time. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest and you will be healed. Because that was the requirement. If someone was to be declared free of that disease, they had to be approved by the local priest who had to see that they were, they were whole. So the Bible says that all 10 of them went to see the priest and on the way, 10 men were healed of leprosy. Now, the question is, how many felt thankful? I think all 10, don't you? Well, how many felt in their heart that they were thankful? 10. How many came back and said thank you? One. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that the way life is, right? How many of us have felt thankful? How many of us stop and say thank you? So, Maybe the Spirit of the Lord would speak in your life today. Is there somebody you should say thank you to? I thank the Lord for you. I mean, probably the first that comes to mind is our family. People that have blessed and encouraged us. But what about somebody else? What about a friend who's been stuck with you through thick and thin, long time? Maybe you need to say thank you to them. Maybe a teacher, maybe a mentor, maybe somebody that's blessed your life. Would you just, as the Lord brings that name to your mind, would you decide today, I'm going to say thank you. I thank the Lord every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. So the second point, first of all, we pray, and secondly, we thank. Or first we thank, and then we pray. We do them both, right? So here's the other thing. Um, who are you praying for these days? You know, as a pastor, it's always interesting when I'm in a group of people and somebody says, who can we pray for? What's the first thing we think of? Who do we know that's sick? Or who do we know that's in the hospital? And, and I know several. I've been praying for them a lot. But is that the only thing we should pray for? How about somebody whose marriage could use some help or whose family could use some strength? or who's emotionally or spiritually struggling. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I think one of the greatest challenges we all face to keep our spiritual energy strong 
is to have a life of prayer that works consistently. Someone said to me recently, uh, what we do every day matters a whole lot more than what we do once in a while. Wow. What we do every day matters a whole lot more than what we do once in a while. So my goal by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God, is to have a holy habit of prayer every day. When I was a young follower of Jesus, somebody taught me the prayer acrostic. We've talked about it here before, A-C-T-S, right? You might want to write that down on your outline because it's really helpful. Whenever I'm sort of getting a little fuzzy and I'm praying and I'm not sure what to pray about next and I'm a little frustrated, I, I go back to that, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. A-C-T-S. Lord, I love you. I worship you. There is no God like you. You are my Father. You are my Savior. You are the Holy Spirit. You are all of this and more. And I worship you and I love you. You know, I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to thank God for doing good stuff in my life. But it's a challenge to praise God for who he is. For his character, for his nature. That's so helpful because it gets my mind and my, off of myself and onto him. May the Lord help you to get your mind and your spirit off of yourself and onto him. So Lord, I love you and I worship you. Confession and I need you. I am lost and undone. I have said things and I have done things. And Lord, as you bring them to my mind, I'm sorry for them. Forgive me. I turn from them. It is so cool to have a clean slate every day. You don't have to carry the junk from the past. You don't have to be burdened with guilt and shame. You can lay it at Jesus' feet. Lord, forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new. A-C-T. And I am so thankful. And of course, like you, on my list of thanks is my, my wife, my kids, my grandkids. Have I told you about my grandkids? Um, and, I, and usually I write it down and I write their initials, right? It's kind of a discipline that I do to focus my heart and my mind on God. Years ago, someone said, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Sow a thought, reap an act. Lord, I want, to, I want to pray faithfully, consistently. But when I do it here and there, now and then, that's an act. But Lord, I want you to help me to make that act into a habit. So an act, reap a habit. Because when it becomes a habit, a holy habit, then it shapes my character. And then my character shapes my destiny. My prayer for you, Paul's prayer for you, is that you will give thanks for the people he has blessed you with, remembering them in your prayers every day. Let's go to the next. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Would you read the last line out loud? So that... One more time. So that you may... I like that. 
Anybody here know Jesus? Anybody want to know him better? I want to know him better. How do you know Jesus better? Well, you hang out with him. You talk to him. You listen to him. You read the things he wrote and said. You know, he wrote you a love letter, right? And uh, I don't know about you, but feeding my soul on this book is a challenge. It's a big book. It's a bit complicated. Did you ever notice that some parts are a little bit strange? There's stories in here that I, you know, I wouldn't write, <laughs> but God did. And they are, they're challenging. And they, they take me to places that are not always comfortable for me. One of the reasons that some people don't read their Bible enough is that they're looking for dessert all the time and they're not ready to eat their vegetables. And which one makes you stronger? <laughs> now let's go back to that. Now which one makes you stronger, right? The vegetables. So, you know, here's what's happened in modern day Christian culture. We have tamed it down and simplified everything. We all have a, a nice devotional book that makes us feel better, but we don't necessarily spend time in God's word because it stretches us and it challenges us. And I want you, but sometimes I don't need a pat on the back. Sometimes I need a kick in the pants. Sometimes I need a Holy Spirit kick in the pants. And I get that when I read those parts of God's word that may not make me comfortable, but might speak into the biggest and deepest wound in my spirit or need in my heart. So Christians who get to know him better, Christ followers who get stronger and deeper in their faith develop somehow or other a consistent way of feeding on God's word. That's a bigger challenge than it may sound at first because, well, let's go through the rest of these verses and see why. Why would we do that? Because we want to learn the following things. Go to the next slide. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, okay, here's what we need to know, the hope to which he has called you. God has given you hope in Jesus. Hope in the hard times, and hope for eternity. Hope here and hope hereafter. It's not a vague, you know, maybe I hope things are going to turn out okay. No, it is the hope that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. No matter what happens, I will go to be home with him one day, forever. The hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So you have hope and you have riches. How are we doing so far? You have hope and you have riches, but look at the riches. The riches are God's holy people. Did you know that some of the people in this room make your life richer? They make your life richer. They bring things to you, friendship and encouragement, and help, family and friends. Some of you have been part of this congregation for a lot of years. God has blessed your life with the riches of his holy people. I love that. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. So we have hope, we have riches, and we have power. What kind of power do we have? Let's go to the next slide. That power is the same as the mighty strength God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow. God's power is the same power that raised Jesus from the, from the dead, and that power is available to you and to me. So when life feels bigger than us, our situation and circumstances feel like we're in over our head, guess what? Verse 22, it's under Christ's feet. When you're over your head, it's under his feet. I love that because I'm pretty much always in over my head. How about you? Now, life is full of challenges and, and complications. And most of the time, we're just doing the best we can. We feel like we don't know enough. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We're not good enough. But in Christ, things that are over our head are under his feet. Have you ever said, somebody asks you how you're doing, you say, well, I'm okay under the circumstances. I've said it. Well, what are you doing under there? Right? What are you doing under there? We don't live under the circumstances. We live in Christ, seated in heavenly places, and what's over my head is under his feet. So here's the challenge, friends. We're going to work our way week by week through this incredible letter. And we've already gotten started, and God by his spirit is going to teach us and deepen us and strengthen us. And here's the challenge. By the time we're done, just before Thanksgiving, here's my prayer. That your prayer life will be more consistent. That you will have a holy habit that will, that will grow and deepen your walk with him. That you will learn to be more thankful and express your thanks to one another. Speak the words that will bless the people around you. I thank God for you. And we will develop a, a way to feed our soul on the bread of life. I was talking with Tammy, our worship leader, after first service, and she said, remember how when the Hebrews taught children the scriptures and they were helping them to enjoy it, they would put a little bit of honey on their tongue? Because it just reminded them of how good it was to eat God's word, right? Uh, what, did the, what did the uh, angels say to John in the book of Revelation when he handed him the scroll? Eat this book. <laughs> so how do you eat this book? I got a suggestion. Let's read the book of Ephesians together. Read about half a chapter a day, if that works for you. And think about it. Don't rush through it. It's not a contest. And let God's Spirit speak into your life. What? See what He has to say to you. And then obey what He has to say to you. And let's keep doing Let's do it over and over. You know, what is it, six chapters long? And we, we just keep allowing the Spirit of God to put it deeper and deeper into our souls. There's an ancient practice of Bible reading 
It's called Lexio Divina. And basically, it involves reading the same passage over three times and sort of asking the Spirit of God to take us deeper into it each time. So that by the third time you read the same maybe 10 verses, your, your spirit is experiencing something deeper and more profound than it was the first time you read it. I want to know Christ better. I want you to know Christ better. So that you will be stronger in your faith. So that you will appreciate at a deeper level the riches of our family. And that you can serve him with joy. So the worship team is going to come and we're going to sing the song that comes right out of these verses. Did you notice there's a worship song in there? Anybody? Open the eyes of my heart, it prayed, we prayed. So we're going to pray that as we close the service today. And it's my prayer that we'll you know, make the song our prayer. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up. Because when I see you high and lifted up, it changes my whole perspective on life. So we're going to sing it and we're going to pray it. You know, somebody said many years ago, those who sing pray twice. Because, when, you know, it engages both our mind and our spirit when we sing a prayer to the Lord. So, are we ready? In our lives to you, we would grow in you, we would draw closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen.
word and we pray that it would have a home in our hearts. We would love you more and be more like you. Go with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, go with us.